Praise the Lord. So that song that we just sang there, it's based off of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. And it says, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. I don't know if you ever really thought about that verse. I've thought about it a lot, and I feel like uh, the older I get, the longer I walk with God, the more I, I, I appreciate this verse and the richer it is. Because it says, those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. So you know what that means? While you're waiting, when nothing is happening, when you're waiting for the prayer to be answered, when you're waiting for the dream to come true, when you don't see God moving and you're still trusting, you're still depending, you're still obeying, you're still being faithful, that's when God will give you new strength. You see that? When nothing is happening. When nothing is happening. And you're leaning on a word from God. You're leaning on the promises of God. And you're trusting God. And you're not going to let the circumstances determine your faithfulness. You're not going to let the circumstances determine your faith. You're going to wait on the Lord. And the Lord will be pleased with that. That's what it says. It's a, it's a promise for those who wait on God and wait. Anybody like to wait? Nobody likes to wait, right? That's what it is. It's for those who wait. God, thank you for your word. Thank you. And Lord, uh, thank you for your presence. And we humble ourselves before you right now. And uh, we need you, Lord. I need you, God, as always. I pray, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to work in hearts, Lord. I know there's people here and everybody has a story and and some people come here every weekend and other people haven't been in church in a long time some people um, are experiencing just blessings upon blessings and other people feel like they're getting nothing but bad luck right now wherever we're at i pray god that you minister to each soul i i believe god you brought every person here every soul here on purpose so holy spirit have your way in me and through me by your grace make this word uh, come alive. I pray people hear a word from you, God, and I just want to be a faithful messenger, Lord, so you be my transcript, Holy Spirit. Thank you for being with us. Lord, I also want to pray for our students. We have high school students going to Florida for a conference, and I want to pray for them. And the, those adults who are going with them as sponsors, be with them, God. Pray you speak to them and give them uh, traveling mercies and protect them, watch over them. Be with us, God. Thank you for using this church for your glory. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for forgiving us for our sins. And thank you for your grace. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, turn to someone and tell them, trust God, and then you can have a seat. Tell them, trust God. Thank you, worship team. You guys are awesome. Appreciate you. It's good to be at church. Anybody happy about being at church? Anybody excited about being at church? Uh, you guys are already starting off better than Saturday night service. I'm just going to tell you right now, right now, as of this very moment, you're my favorite group to preach this weekend. I'm just telling you. <laughs> like parents have their favorite kids. You don't ever say who they are. But uh, not me. I love all of them the same. Hey, so uh, I do. Uh, 70, we had 73 kids participate in Vacation Bible School this week. And yeah, appreciate you putting. It's good to celebrate what God is doing. And I, I think one of the challenges we have in life sometimes is we can miss what God is doing right in front of us, right? We can get so busy with life and work and mowing the lawn and buying milk and eggs and just get busy with life. And miss it. But um, appreciate so much our, our volunteers who served during Vacation Bible School. A lot, of them, a lot of them, they worked during the day, and they came straight here, and they inhaled some dinner, and then they served. And it's just, uh, I just, this church doesn't go forward unless we have volunteers serving and people giving, and that's how it goes forward. So I appreciate them very much. Our children's ministry director, Michelle, Michelle Stoner, she's such a blessing. Um, she has a missionary heart, and, and her parents were missionaries, and it's just beautiful to see her serving the Lord, so appreciate them so much. Um, last weekend, I wasn't here. I was uh, 
in uh, Chicago, uh, my, my daughter is, is uh, we're going through college orientation. That's where she's going. And she's eventually going to go to this school called, called Olivet. And it's south of Chicago, about an hour and 15 minutes or so. So we went to go tour the campus. And great campus. Had a good time. And uh, thank you for praying with us and uh, praying for us. But um, then we spent some time in Chicago. I went to like the largest Starbucks in the world. I didn't know it was there, but has anybody been to the largest Starbucks in Chicago? It's five stories. Five stories, has escalators going up. I mean, it's ridiculous. There's a bar. I knew it was big when we walked in and there's a couple of Starbucks baristas there that said, welcome to the largest Starbucks in the world. I mean, they're greeters. They're like bouncers. They're greeters right there at the door saying welcome. And I thought, wow, this is a pretty... And we went to this place called Nutella. You guys ever eat Nutella crepes? Um, It was... You don't care. Anyway, so... um, So, uh, but while we were there, I was thinking like, what if scenarios... Um, I've been through this before when I dropped off my son uh, to college in Nashville, and, and I wept like a baby at that time, and uh, we never, 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 never uh, uh, expected them to come back. That was never the plan. We thought we were free from them forever, but it's a great blessing to have them back. I'm so grateful they are here. Um, I love them <coughs> very much, and I'm grateful they're back. I just felt like I need to say that again. So, uh, um, but, uh, but is there something about the daughter? Daddies, you know what I'm talking about? There's something about the daughter. And while I'm walking around this campus with my daughter and looking at her dorm and, and envisioning kind of where things, and I'm envisioning her walking the campus. And, and I, I think like, what if scenarios? Like, like, what if they run out of food and they don't feed my daughter? You know, what if that happens? And what if they don't feed her for a week or something? I don't know. What if she just eats crackers or something for a whole week? Or, or what if a gigantic bird swoops down and picks her up and throws her off in the, you know, brutal Illinois winter, you know, prairie or something? I don't know. You, any, I, anybody think of crazy thoughts? I, I think of like, well, what if? You know, what if? And what if? And I know you're thinking, Ruben, don't worry about it. The title of today's message is Trusting Without Knowing trusting without knowing. It's kind of like that song we just sang, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. I think much of our our life, sometimes um, we're put in this position. Well, let's just start off with this. Do you believe there is a God? Do you believe there's a God? Most of us, I think, do. Even atheists would say they have faith that there's not a God, and there's some faith involved with that decision. But I, I think most people are aware that there's some supreme being uh, in charge of the universe and overseeing it all. Um, but when you, when you take that step and you say, okay, I want, to, I want to get to know God. I want to get to know God. At some point, you're going to be thrusted into a place where God is going to say, I just want you to trust me. I just want you to trust me. And that's the place where our faith builds muscle. That's the place where it becomes real. When we make this decision to walk by faith and we're not sure how the outcome's going to be, but we know this is what God has told me to do or this is what I have a piece about. And I'm, I'm taking this step and I'm trusting God even though I don't know how things are going to work out. You know what I'm talking about? One thing I have discovered, I didn't share this last night. One thing I have discovered is when you take steps of faith, um, you take that step of faith, and it, it may not be the end. It typically isn't, but it will lead to the next. It'll lead to the next. Does that make sense? Um, so I, I've discovered that as I walk with God, you take a step of faith, and, and it may not be the end, but God is, you needed to take that step of faith because God has something else for you. So you just kind of go through life like that. And I, I, I think about that. And uh, there's a couple of stories in the Bible that I want to talk about. There's, this is involving a boat and a storm. So the, probably the more popular story that most people have heard about is when the disciples are in this boat and there's like this big storm that happens and Jesus is on the, on the boat and he's sleeping. So they, they, they freak out and they go, wake him up, saying, Jesus, wake up, we're about to drown, what are you doing? And he wakes up and he goes, peace be still. Literally, the Greek language is, he tells the storm, shut up. That's literally what it means, like put a, put a muzzle on it. That's what he tells the storm and it, it, it quiets down. 
and, and they, they look at him and say, who is this man? So that's one story. But there's another story in the Bible that I want to talk to you about today that also involves a storm. And this is the one where Jesus is walking on water. It's a way cool story. So this story um, happens on the heels of a really famous miracle called the feeding of the 5,000. That's when Jesus fed a whole bunch of people with fish tacos, right? <laughs> some fish and some bread, and he fed them, and, and they were exhausted. It's also right around a time when John the Baptist was beheaded. His head was chopped off because uh, of some horrible promise, and it was just an, just an unfortunate situation. But anyway, so after this, these two things, this story happens, and we're going to jump into it. Uh, Mark chapter 6 is where we're going to be looking at, Gospel of Mark. Says this immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat, and this is after the feeding of the 5,000, get back in the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Boy, there's a whole message right there, guys. Have you ever thought that when you're worn out and you're tired, what you need to do is pray, not veg out on Netflix, not look at social media, you know, you know, videos, whatever, but to pray. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About three o'clock in the morning, what time was that, guys? What time? Three o'clock. You're still my fave. Three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them, but when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus said once, don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then he climbed into the boat, and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed, for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. Wow, incredible story. It's so rich. Um, <clears throat> I want to show you a famous oil painting. Uh, called the Storm, um, or Storm on the Sea of Galilee by Rembrandt, painted in 1632, a famous painting. Uh, he was 29 years old when he painted this. Isn't that crazy? 29 years old. And, and this, this painting, this canvas was just over five feet high and more than four feet wide, but it gives a little bit of a picture of maybe what a storm on the Sea of Galilee could have looked like, right? It's pretty scary. Pretty scary. You're away from land, and you have no control, and this is happening, and you think, you're going to die. Like, I'm going to die. This is it. I'm coming home. You know, This is it. I'm going to die. Every time when I'm in the car with, with people, and, and typically when they take a chance to take like a left turn or a right turn, you know those times when you're, when you're the passenger, and you're like, don't go, don't go, don't go. Going, he's going, you know, that situation. I always start praying out loud and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for the life you've given me. And they just laugh at me. So if I'm with you and I'm praying, that's a little sign about how you're driving. I'll start praying out loud. I'm coming home, Ethel. Anybody grow up with Sanford and Son? I grew up with Sanford and Son. You watched other shows, right? I, I, it doesn't matter. Anyway, so, so um, this particular painting was stolen in 1990. Isn't that crazy? Uh, along with 12 other pieces, 12 other artworks, out of a, out of a museum in, in Boston. And I think there's like a movie on Netflix or I don't know what it's on, Amazon or whatever, but about this, this heist. But I, I look at this story, I look at this painting, and I think about storms in life, and, and I think, you know what, guys? Um, we all have been through storms. Or you will go through a storm. And maybe it was a literal storm. Maybe you've been on a boat and out in the lake or out in the ocean, and it was a pretty scary thing. Maybe I grew up saltwater fishing. I've had moments. But maybe you've had other storms in life. Maybe it was related to finances. When you thought, this is horrible, we're going to get evicted. I don't know what's going to happen, and we need more money. 
We need money to, you know, we're behind and I'm expecting someone to repo my car or something or, or this is bad and we don't have enough money for food. And, you know, those are financial storms that we've been in. Maybe it's a relational storm. You're like in a relationship and it's like, it's not going well. I don't know what's going on. And, or maybe you're in a marriage and you're like, boy, it didn't, this is not what I was expected it to look like. And now I'm in this storm and we're fighting and arguing and we're not talking anymore and we're sleeping in two different beds and, and it's just not what I envisioned. Or maybe you're in a spiritual storm. You're fighting your own demons. Nobody knows it. You keep it private. You don't like who you see anymore. So you fake it with everyone else. But when you're alone, nobody knows the thoughts that are running through your head. And you've got this spiritual storm that you're in. You don't talk about it with anyone and anybody in town, says, hey, what's going on? You don't want to share anything. Hey, would you like to serve? Nope. You say no. Not because you're not available, but because you're in a spiritual storm and you don't feel like you're ready. You know what I'm talking about? Spiritual storms or an emotional storm, battling depression or whatever it might be. And you feel super alone. I think that's a challenge with storms is you can feel very lonely. It's just a very private, private thing. Mark chapter 6, verse 45, I want us to recognize this. says, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake. So it was Jesus' idea for the disciples to get in the boat. You, you think he knew there was going to be a storm they were going to face? I, I'd like to think. I believe God is all-powerful and all-knowing and all-present. I believe that. So he, he's the one who says, hey, you guys go ahead and go in the boat, and you go this way, and I'm going to go this way, and I'm going to go pray. I'm going to go pray. It's like a road trip. It's like, you guys go ahead and take off and jump on I-25, but I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to go hang out by myself and pray. You know, it's that kind of thing. And, and so they, they're obeying him. They're obeying him. The thing about this thing, this idea, is he says go to Bethsaida. Bethsaida, this, whole, this is the Sea of Galilee. And just, just a little quick plug. I hope you are thinking about going to Israel in June 2024. We're going to be on the Sea of Galilee. It's going to be a life-changing trip. So we're going to have the website go up public here in the next couple of weeks. So be looking for it, but it's going to be amazing. Um, but they, they, uh, they're told to go to Bethsaida, and this is the birthplace of, uh, it's the birthplace of Philip, Peter, and Andrew. So this is familiar territory for these guys. It's kind of like if you say, hey, I'm going to go to Costco. You don't even think that this is a dangerous trip. You just, I'm going to go to, it's no big deal. This is your backyard. And, and they're going across to Bethsaida, and it's familiar. And what the Lord showed me is many times storms happen in the familiar. It's in the home. The place where you let down your hair. You know what I mean? The place where you chill. It, it, it happens in that relationship. It happens in that city. It happens maybe even in that car, whatever it is. It's that familiar place. And I think the whole idea, the challenge with storms is you don't expect it in the familiar. You don't expect that this, this is going to happen. The other thing I want you to recognize is uh, Peter, Andrew, James, and John were fishermen. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and maybe other disciples, but Scripture doesn't tell us. But we know those four guys were fishermen. So the fact that they're being launched out into the lake, the Sea of Galilee is what it's called, and they're told to go across to Bethsaida to a familiar place on the lake, no doubt. I mean, how many times have they fished on these waters? They know the waters. They're not expecting a storm. They're not expecting anything to rattle their faith. And verse 47 says this, Late that night, the disciples were in their boat, in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was, a, was alone on the land. And this in the middle of the lake is what uh, I think would be scary. This storm happened on, uh, came upon them, um, and, and the, the, we don't have time to go into the geographical uh, elements around this lake, but it was very common for a storm to kind of swoop in and and then disappear. I mean, it was really, it was really popular in, on the Sea of Galilee. But it happens on the middle of the lake, and it doesn't happen like 10 feet away from the shore. It happens when they're in the middle of the lake. 
you know, the place where they're, they're, they're too far for anyone to hear them. You know, the Gospel of John says they were like two or three miles out, maybe more. But they were too far to cry for help. They were too far to swim to the land. They were alone on the lake. Nobody around them. Nobody around them. And I want to say this. Sometimes God will let you drift to the middle of the lake to get your attention. Sometimes. This is a picture of uh, Lake Michigan. Anybody been on Lake Michigan? When we were in Chicago, I looked and I'm like, that's an ocean. We call lakes in Colorado lakes. I'm not looking at that. And that's like an ocean. That would be scary to be in the middle of Lake Michigan. That would be in the middle of a storm. But sometimes God allows us to drift to that place in the middle of the lake. And he does it to get our attention. Right? Some of us need God's help to see some things. And, and God, ultimately, what he wants is he wants your heart. He wants you to turn to him. He wants you to have a relationship with him. He's not done with you. He wants you to know his love and his joy. He wants you to know he's an all-powerful God. Much of our life is about God continually redefining what it means to walk with him and redefining how big he is and how loving he is and how holy he is. Much of our life is about that. Much of it is about that. And God gives us free will. He gives us free will so we can figure that out. And he wants us to voluntarily turn to him. But I thought about this, this situation when they're on this lake, in the middle of the lake. And I thought, you know, I think shoving off, I think starting off, I think that was the easy part. Starting off is always easy. It's always easier. In a relationship, starting off, it's pretty easy, isn't it? Everything's going well. You know, someone says, hey, well, you look good. Well, thank you. You know, it's, everything's good. You're, you're hot. You're beautiful, whatever. It's, everything is easy. Let me pay for you. Oh, well, thank you. Starting off is always easy. Getting married, saying I do, typically it's pretty easy to go and say some words in front of that pastor and saying, I mean, it's pretty easy. Pretty easy. Well, what happens when you get to the middle of the lake? When things happen that you didn't expect? When, when the shine is worn off and, and you're out there, what, what happens then? We're like starting a business. Starting a business is easy until you get to the middle of the lake. Then it's hard. Then it's really hard. I can't tell you how many times people have told me, you know, I started a church, or I know someone who started a church. And let me just tell you guys, it's easy to start a church. Easy. But it's really hard to have a church that's still around in 10 years, and 15 years, and 20 years, and 30 years. That's a different thing. But yeah, my, my neighbor can start it. It doesn't matter. Anybody can say, yeah, I started a church. Yeah, it's easy. And I think most of the time we, we forget just, you know what, the challenge is when you're in the middle of the lake. When you feel alone, when, you, when, it, when uh, the thing that motivated you, the thing that excited you in the beginning is no longer there. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> that, that motivation that you had when you started has worn off, and now you're just like, okay, I'm going to choose to ride this. I'm going to choose to hold on. I'm going to choose to stay in the fight. And, and uh, I, I've, I, you know, does that make sense? Am I, am I reaching anybody? You know what I'm talking about? You know, it, that's, like, starting off is easy. Starting off the career, starting off that college, starting off that relationship, starting off that business, starting off. That's easy. It's cake. But when you're in the middle of the lake, whew, what are you going to do? And I think that's when who we are is also exposed. Our doubts, our fears, our worries, that's when we say, I'm going to jump out of the boat and I'm going to start swimming. I'm going to get out of this situation, whatever it is. Uh, the other thing about this, these disciples, you have to remember, they were exhausted. They just hung out and fed 5,000 plus people. And uh, um, they were you know, physically exhausted and maybe mentally exhausted, spiritually exhausted. I think they were emotionally exhausted, too. Because of John the Baptist, John the Baptist was just beheaded, and now they're, you know, they were at a funeral service, a memorial, and, and now they're just tired, and, and now they're out in the middle of the lake in a storm. 
Have you ever said these words? I don't need this right now. You ever said that? Like, I do not, you know what? There's enough things happening in my life that are wearing me out. There's enough things happening in my life. I got issues at work. I got issues at home. I got issues in my relationship. I got issues with me. I don't need a flat tire right now. I don't need my roof to leak right now. <laughs> I don't need this right now. And we think this is my breaking point. Like, God, are you getting a kick out of this? You know, you ever been there before? Anybody ever been there before? Am I talking to any real people here? I don't want to talk to church people. I'm talking to real people right now. You know what I'm talking about when you're like, this doesn't make any sense. I don't need this right now. You know, you can't pick your storms. I think when we go through storms, we ask questions like, can I make it through this thing? Do I want to make it through this thing? Max Lucado said, the presence of fear does not mean you have no faith. Fear visits everyone. But make your fear a visitor and not a resident. Did you swallow it? Make your fear a visitor. It's okay to fear. It's okay to look at that giant and say, yeah, he's a big giant. I'm a little nervous here. Yeah, that storm's really big. That's okay to look at that, and there's okay, but don't let your fear <coughs> become a resident. You know what I love about this? It starts at verse 47. I'll read it again. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. And the next verse says, he, that's Jesus, saw that they were in serious trouble. Now, this story is littered with mystery. Jesus is on land. The disciples, disciples are at, in the middle of the lake, miles away from the shore, and Jesus sees that they're in trouble. I don't think Jesus had like binoculars or anything like that. I don't think he had that. I don't think he was looking at, you know, Google location or, you know, or, or iPhone location and looking at his phone to see where you're at. I think he's just God. I think he sees us. That's a great word for someone. God sees you. God sees you. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them God sees you. God sees you. Wow. You're not alone. You're not alone. God sees you. And some of you, I know you feel like you're like rowing. Like, you know, you're doing this in life. You're fighting a good fight and working and just rowing. You might be getting tired. God sees you. God sees you. Now, is that not encouraging? God sees you. You think I'm at the end. You think this is it. You think, I've had enough. God sees you. And there's no situation you're in that's too difficult for God. There's nothing too difficult for God. I think it's our, it's our human nature to row harder, isn't it? It's our human nature to fight that storm. And typically what we do is we use our human efforts first before we cry out to God. That's exactly what the disciples did. They come across a storm and they use, you know, they're fighting the storm and the waves and they're realizing we're no match for this. And what's interesting about this story is they never cry out to God. They never say, Jesus, they never do any of that stuff. They don't do that. They're just rowing harder. And Jesus is the one who sees them and meets them. Has it ever dawned on you that God knows how bad you need him more than you realize how bad you need him. God knows how much you need him more than you know how much you need him. I'm saying things that I didn't say last night. Somebody needs to hear this. And when you resist God and, and you say no to God and breaks God's heart, God's a relational God. We don't really look at it like that when we sin when we do things that we know are not pleasing to God, we typically look at it in the category of commandments. But have you ever considered you break God's heart 
when you willfully sin against him. You break God's heart when you turn your back against him. You're breaking his heart. You're breaking his heart. Jesus sees them out there, and, uh, um, and, and they're rowing hard. And incidentally, you know, I, I think you discover who your real friends are when you're in the storm. When you're in the storm and you discover who's with you. You know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden, those people that you thought were your bros are absent, mysteriously absent, and they're not responding to texts or anything like that, or they're not reaching out to you when you need them. You discover who your real friends are when you're in the storm. The other thing I thought about this is the disciples are, are out in the middle of the lake, and they're, they're rowing, and they come against a storm, and they didn't expect it. And I, I think there's a couple of things here. But I, I think one of the things when we find ourselves in the middle of the lake um, and, and we're like, okay, I didn't expect this storm. I, I think one of the thoughts we have is I thought I would be there by now. I thought I would be there by now. I have been, you know, for all this time, I thought I would be there by now. It's kind of like, you know what, you, you, I don't know about any, but in your head, have you ever thought, okay, by the age of 20, I'll be at this place. I'll have so much money. By the age of 30, I'll be in my career. I'll be married. By the age of 40, I'll be just rocking it. And I'm, by the age of 50, I'm going to be retired, and I'm going to be living in South Beach, or I'm going to be living on an island. And you, you map out your life. And it doesn't happen like that, does it? You know what I'm talking about? Somebody said you want to make God laugh. Just tell him your plans. Just tell him your plans. It doesn't always work like that. And here's what happens, I believe. You underestimate what could happen between here and there. You didn't expect that storm. You didn't expect that gale force winds to come on your face like that. You didn't expect to be in that situation. You know what I'm talking about? You didn't expect certain things. You didn't expect that divorce. Hello. You didn't expect to lose that child. That set you back. You didn't expect to be abused. You never thought you would see that. You didn't expect your child to steal from you. You know what I'm talking about? You didn't expect that. You didn't expect to be hurt by that pastor or hurt by that church. You didn't expect to be let go at work after you gave 25 years there. You didn't expect that. You, that, was your, that was your path. You know what I'm talking about? You didn't expect to go through that, and you didn't expect that, that all this stuff, you didn't expect that storm to happen. What do you do when you're in the middle of the lake, and you're thinking, I should be on the other side by, the, by now, but I'm not there. I'm not there. Here's what will happen. I'm glad we have this haze here because it reminds me of a storm right now. It's intentional. It's intentional. God will use storms to get your attention. Praise the Lord. Some of us need storms. I need storms. God will use, take you to that place where you're about to break or you're on the, the last edge of your faith. And God will take you to that place at the end because he wants you to turn to him. He wants you to turn to him. Now think about it. We turn to God when we're desperate. We turn to God when we're at the end of our rope. I've said it before. I rarely hear anybody say, I am just rolling right now. I am banking. I've got a great life. I've got a new truck. I've got a lot of money, and i got a big house, and I'm living the life right now, and I just recognize how much I need God right now. Nobody says that. What do you say? When you're broke, when you're facing your addictions, when you see the other side of you, when you recognize you don't have joy, when you, and that's when you turn to God. When you don't have enough money for milk or eggs, right? That's when you're like, okay, I need, I need God. I need God. Um, <clears throat> when uh, I was uh, in Colorado Springs this week, had uh, some pastoral meetings down there, and I, I got asked by my... Uh, um, I got a phone call. Um, this is a story behind this, but I have a cousin. I never have talked about him a whole lot here, but uh, he and I grew up um, together. My 
grandfather and his father were brothers. So he and I grew up saltwater fishing, hunting, playing at the ranch, chasing after snakes, riding motorcycles, all that stuff. He and I were like that. We're four years apart. And, uh, and he and I were just always hanging out together. And then um, he, um, he kind of went his way, and I kind of went my way. He went to UT, University of Texas. <coughs> Josh said boo because he graduated from A&M. <laughs> he went to UT. Uh, but... Uh, um, he just partied hard. I partied hard in high school and he partied hard in college and the guy's older now and he stumbled across a video of, of me preaching and he found out my number. I haven't talked to him at all. He lives in Austin now. And, and he, he said, hey, 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 Ruben, this is your cousin. And he gave me his name and he said, can I talk to you? So I said, yeah, yeah. We, we haven't talked in like years, like decades, decades, decades. So I'm driving to Colorado Springs, and from my house, I go ahead and call him, and I talk to him for an hour and a half on I-25, and I'm talking to him the whole time, and he's asking me questions about God. He's like, he's telling me about a storm that he is in, and this is a guy who, you know, other guys would look at and say, well, you got it all, but he's in a storm. It's affecting his marriage. It's affecting his children. It's affecting his home, affecting him in every way. You know what I'm talking about? Those kind of storms. I'm not going to tell you specifics, but it was a bad storm. So he's sharing this storm with me, and I tell him, brother or cousin, God's trying to get your attention. He goes, I feel that. I feel that. So we're talking and talking and talking. And then I, 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 he, tell, he asked me the question. He goes, what would Jesus say to me if Jesus was sitting down right beside me right now? That's what he asked me. And I said, well, brother, he would tell you, you need to accept him as Lord and Savior of your life. You need to invite him into your heart. You need to let him get behind the steering wheel of your life. You need to ask forgiveness for your sins, and you need to turn to him with all of your life, all of your heart. Confess with your mouth that he is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead and walk with him. Walk with him. Put your faith in him. And then he says, well, can you send me a link on how to do that? And I said, I said, this is exactly what I said. I said, baby, I'm not going to send you a link. We're going to take care of it right now. And I'm driving down I-25 talking to him this whole time. Under the speed limit. You should know that. All, all the cops in the house, under the speed limit. <laughs> um, and uh, I prayed with him. I led him in this prayer. And I led him in that prayer of salvation while I was driving on I-25. While I was driving. I'm so glad. You guys are definitely my favorite crowd. I'm so glad. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I was so excited. And I was like, man, we were like crying. And it's all brand new. And I mean, he's at that place where like, like who is Saul? And who is Paul? And what are the Gospels? And what's the Old Testament? And what's the New Testament? He's 58 years old. Wow. I was in tears. He was in tears. And he tells me, I feel so different, Reuben. This is amazing. He said, I feel so different. And he's, he wants to get baptized, and he wants, he wants to buy me a ticket to fly me to Austin to baptize him and all this stuff. And just, he's just at a different place. In fact, his sister called me about 20 minutes. I talked to him like an hour and a half. And his sister called me. Like I was waiting for his sister to call me because I said, his sister, my other cousin, is going to be calling me. And she calls me, and all she says on the phone is, Reuben, and then she weeps, and she doesn't stop weeping. Just Reuben, and just, <laughs> I'm just weeping. She couldn't get another word out. It was tears of joy. And I'm, on the other end, just laughing my head off, just out of joy. I was like, yeah, can you believe it? God is so good. I'm laughing my head off and I'm in tears and then I posted this on my social media maybe you've seen it here's here's what I posted I posted this here's what I posted I posted this here's what I posted hell lost another one that's what I put yeah I appreciate you guys hell lost another one I just felt like doing this like in tombstone you know remember when he did that he said 
Hell, lost another one. I just saw that movie. That's why I'm thinking of that when I did that. Anybody know what I'm talking about when I did that? All right. <laughs> Verse 48, about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. He intended to go past them. But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. Stark. It was stark. It was stark. It was dark. Been there? It was so dark, and this is intentional. It was so dark they were thinking Jesus was a ghost. You know what that word ghost means? It means water phantom. Water phantom. What's puzzling about this is they are not expecting Jesus. Jesus is on the land and he's praying. They're in the middle of the lake. They're not expecting Jesus. So when Jesus shows up walking, they don't know it's Jesus. They think it's a ghost. Jesus is supposed to be praying on the land. Jesus is not here because he's over there. See that in their minds, they were thinking, it's impossible for God to help us. It's impossible for Jesus to help us. Jesus is not here. He's on the land. And they don't recognize Jesus is right in front of them. And nothing is impossible for God. Even though they witnessed all the miracles. Even though they've seen the feeding of the 5,000. And they've seen people get healed. And they've seen the blind get sight. And they've seen the leper be cleansed. They've seen all the miracles, but in their storm, they don't recognize Jesus is right there. Here's what I want you to hear. Jesus is bigger than your storm. Jesus is bigger than your storm. Jesus is bigger than your storm. Don't give up. He's bigger than your storm. Don't give up. Turn to Jesus. Some of you right now are in a storm. Turn to Jesus. Or you will be in a storm. Turn to Jesus. How about this? Don't wait for a storm to turn to Jesus. Don't wait for a storm to turn to God. Don't wait for a storm to surrender your life completely to Jesus Christ. Turn to Jesus right now while you have breath in your lungs. Turn to Jesus right now while you are here right now in church and you recognize God is real and God is faithful and God is loving and God is a good God and God is chasing you down. He is chasing you down. He wants you to turn to him with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your strength, all of your soul. He wants all of you. He wants all of you. He's a good God. He's a good God. Don't wait anymore. He's a good God. Don't wait anymore. And check this out, guys. Verse 51. Jesus climbed into the boat and the wind stopped. Wow. That's pretty cool. I don't think anyone would have been more grateful about that moment than the disciples. They have just gone from fear to awe. In one moment, clap your hands one time. One, two, three, go. That's how quick. From fear to awe. Check this out. They were afraid of the storm that Jesus was walking on. Hello. They were afraid of the storm and now, you know who they're afraid of? Jesus. Jesus made the storm calm down. And now their fear goes from here to here. I'm wondering if they're thinking, who are you? I, I thought I had you figured out. I thought I had you figured out. I go to church all the time. I've read the Bible. I sing songs. I grew up in the church. I thought I had you figured out. I heard about you my whole life. I thought I was a religious person. Who are you? 
Are you there? When you're there, you fall to your knees and you're willing to do anything he wants you to do when you're really there. I think for some of you, the problem is, is you don't know who he is. If he knew who he is, if he knew his love for you, if he knew how much he cared for you, if he knew the plan he has for you, you would not let anything come between you and Jesus. Nothing. And scripture says they were totally amazed. You know what that means? The literal Greek language there? Out of the Just blown away. They're looking at Jesus and whoa. I thought I had you pegged. I thought I figured you out. I thought I understood your power and I, I got I thought I I thought I knew just whoa this is a birth right here of Jesus fanatics this is a birth of people who start living for Jesus and these are the people who tell the cashier at King Supers about Jesus these are the people that tell other people their friends about coming to church these are the people that say you gotta come you gotta come you don't know who he is but he's alive and he's real and he wants to have a relationship these are the people that become Jesus fanatics those are I can't believe it can't believe it and here's the sad part verse 52 says for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too, what? Their hearts were too, what? Wow. This is another message right here. But the condition of your heart, whether scripture says hard hearts and soft hearts. So Ezekiel chapter 36. There's everyone in this room, you either have a hard heart right now or a soft heart. Everyone, you have a hard heart inside of you or a soft heart. If you have a hard heart, you're unteachable. God's words falls on you and it rolls right off. There's no, it's, it's shallow. There's no place for the seed to go down because it's too hard and you cannot hear and receive the word of God because your heart is hard. Somebody in this room has hard heart. You're here, but you're not here. A soft heart is open. And when the word of God falls on you, you know what it does? It soaks it up like the ground and the rain. It receives it. And that word falls on your heart and it gets buried inside of you, and then it grows roots, and eventually something comes up. Fruit from that seed comes out of your life. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you have a hard heart, some of you have a soft heart. You have to have a soft heart to receive what God is telling you. You have to have a soft heart to see Jesus. You have to have a soft heart to recognize God moving in your life. Some of you, you know what your prayer needs to be today? God, soften my heart. Make my heart soft. Make it soft. I think I'm done. Oh, I got to share this last verse with you guys. You get out. John chapter 6 says it like this. Then they were eager to let him in the boat, and immediately they arrived at their destination. Yeah, and, it, and some of you are looking at that. What does that mean? It means immediately. This is one of those mysterious verses in the Bible. <clears throat> like crazy verse, like like. All of a sudden, they went into warp speed. Any, you know, Star Wars Trekkie people out there? It's just like, what does that mean? Immediately, they were in the middle of the lake. Jesus gets on. The storm gets still. They, their minds are blown. And immediately, the boat is, like, transported. And they're all of a sudden on the beach, on land. Isn't that crazy? You think you got God figured out. God, you know, you got, we don't have God figured out. God can do anything he wants. 
He's a good God. Let you chew on that verse a little bit. Verse 21. Yeah, how about them apples, baby? Chew on that one for a little bit. I want to give you an opportunity to turn to Jesus. You came to church and some of you need to turn to Jesus. This is your first step. Ask Jesus into your heart, just like my cousin. I'll lead you in a prayer. Others of you, you're in a storm. Turn to Jesus. Others of you, you're not in a storm. But Jesus is saying, turn now. Turn now. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. I just confess you are Lord. And I acknowledge your Holy Spirit while I've been up here speaking. Thank you. Thank you. If you're ready to turn to Jesus, would you say this? Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I want to become a Christian right now. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me for my sins. I want to repent of those sins. I want to change my mind about those sins. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll do whatever you want me to do. But I want to I want to ask you to give me a new heart. I want to walk with you. Do a miracle in my heart and in my life and in my home. I give you my past and present and future. I want to walk with you, Jesus. Show me your word and teach me how to walk with you. Others of you might need to say, uh, Jesus, help me in this storm right now. Help me, Lord. I turn to you. Thank you, God, for your presence again. Lord, I want to pray for those who are going to give in a little bit their tithe, their offering. I want to pray for those who are not tithing also, Lord. I pray those who are not giving, I pray that you speak to them as well. Truth is, we're giving you what you've given us. And it's an expression of our worship to you. Bless those, Lord, who are taking that step this weekend. Show them that you are the God who provides. Thank you. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.